lines of George Santos. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the conversation. I'm David Schuster. For that New York Congressman, the Republican, and all of his false claims, those false claims continue to pile up, and there's even more pressure now from his own party to possibly have him resign. Here to talk about all of this is Brian Metzger. He's a politics reporter for Insider. Um, Brian, he's only been in office for a week, um, but it does feel like uh, there's more pressure that is growing. Yeah, absolutely. He's been in office, I guess, since the early hours of January 7th. He took office a little bit late um, because you know we had to work out the speakership battle over the course of four days. but. You know, it's been fascinating to see him kind of get his bearings as he's, um, you know, sort of come through the first week of this. I, we saw him get committee assignments earlier this week. He's going to be on the Small Business Committee and the House Science, uh, Space, and Technology Committee. You know, it's it's fascinating to see uh, a member who has, I think, a large degree of controversy surrounding him, um, but not the usual kind of controversy we see. You know, it's not that his political positions are necessarily super out of the mainstream, but that he's told a series of lies about himself. And so we're seeing at this point a range of responses from different um, corners of the Republican Party. Um, local Republican groups have called for him to resign, but currently House Republican leadership um, has not. Now, in terms of the response and the, the range of reactions, when it was announced that he was going to be on the uh, committee that essentially oversees NASA, the internet went wild with things like first man on the moon, that he was going to make all sorts of claims about having been a NASA astronaut, because that's what people now expect from somebody like this. Is the Republican leadership, are they hearing this criticism as well? Are they embarrassed? Are they just sort of thinking they can wait out the storm? Where's their mind in all of this? Yeah, I think it, it's a, it's a lot of the latter. I think there's a sense that maybe they can wait out the storm. You know, maybe law enforcement will eventually sort of force their hand. You know, I think the line that folks like McCarthy are taking right now is that yes, there are some questions about this guy. Um, we may not have known exactly what was what was up with him, but um, we're going to let that play out. And until then, he is a duly elected member of Congress. He's going to serve on committees like everyone else. Um, but I think you know, from talking with folks, I think. A lot of Republicans, I think, including McCarthy, are concerned about him. Um, but rather than forcing him out, um, which you know, I think that they, you know, they they have a slim majority. They're not interested in losing any of those votes if they don't have to. Um, they're just going to wait for this to play out. And I think if there's some sort of indictment, um, that would be the point at which he would actually be pushed. To resign. And it does feel like, I mean, the pushes may be coming. It feels like every time any reporter goes back and interviews somebody who knew George Santos, uh, just, you know, on Anderson Cooper on CNN, there was a guy who said, Oh, yeah, I, I raised $3,000 for a GoFundMe page to help my dog get surgery. And it went through the George Santos charity and he took the money. So every day it feels like there's a, there's a new revelation. You've conducted something like 20 interviews with members of Congress about the situation. Is he persona non grata? Do people not want to be around him or not be pictured? How are how are members reacting with or dealing with them or not? Yeah, well, I think on the Democratic side, it's pretty unanimous in that folks are quick to say that he has no business being in Congress, um, that they don't respect him. Um, Pat, Congressman Pat Ryan, who's also from New York, said something that was kind of striking to me, which is that he's basically the only member of the chamber who he would say that he has absolutely zero respect for. Um, which you know, there's a lot of different members of Congress, so that's that's certainly a bold statement. Um, among Republicans, I think you see 
I think the majority of the caucus taking a position akin to, well, this is concerning. Um, I haven't really spoken with him, but it seems like he has a lot of questions to answer. Um, similar to the line that McCarthy's taking. I think a lot of folks are saying like, yeah, it doesn't seem great. Um, I'm gonna steer clear of that. Um, but there's an interesting um, sort of cohort of people that are sort of on the more conservative side of the caucus who, you know, some of which had actually sought to defend Santos. Um, I think your folks like Marjorie Taylor Greene and Gates are those who have sort of aligned themselves with Santos and saying, yes, he lied, but a lot of people lie and he was duly elected. And, you know, that shouldn't be a problem. And it's up to the voters um, who are willing to say that publicly. And then there's another cohort of people who, you know, almost take a certain amount of sympathy towards him and say, like, look, it's it's he clearly has has some troubles. Um, I'm gonna show compassion for I've been through controversies before. Um, and then you have about eight members of the caucus who have actually called for his res resignation. So really kind of a full spectrum here, but I think most folks are sort of trying to keep their distance. Um, and I, I think it would be fair to say that he's a little bit of a pry at this point. Yeah, and Santos, uh, for his part, he has admitted to lying about his employment history, his education, his Jewish heritage. He has not yet addressed things like some of the apparent now campaign finance questions and, and controversies over all of that. As far as House Speaker McCarthy, you mentioned him. I sort of wonder if McCarthy is also in a bit of a pickle because here you have, I mean, pretty, you know, fairly sophisticated politicians now. And I think of sort of Matt Gates and Marjorie Taylor Greene, they see this as an opportunity, it sounds like, to sort of create some leverage. That if they perhaps align themselves with poor George Santos, and now McCarthy crosses George Santos, then McCarthy is also perhaps up against it with the Freedom Caucus. It feels like there's a lot of political gamesmanship that may have nothing to do with George Santos and all this, but just the different factions in a very tightly divided Congress where just a couple of votes either way in the Republican caucus can change policy. Yeah, I mean, I certainly, you know, I, I don't profess to know exactly what the motivations of someone like Marjorie Taylor Greene or Matt Gates are with respect to this. Uh, you know, it was interesting when Santos actually appeared on uh, Steve Bannon's War Room podcast that was hosted by Matt Gates. Um, Gates actually asked him a couple of different times, you know, where did that $700,000 loan come from? And in both cases, Santos didn't really answer. He kind of deflected and said, well, it didn't come from Ukraine, it didn't come from Britain. And so it's whatever it is, I think it's definitely the case that given some of the concessions that were made uh, during the speaker fight, given how I think weak. McCarthy's position is relative to prior speakers. Um, there's not a lot of bold action that someone like McCarthy can take with respect to his caucus without being absolutely sure that it wouldn't upset his position, even with just a handful of members, because now there is this motion to vacate. As far as George Santos himself, right. Uh, I mean, obviously he's being trailed by a lot of reporters. A lot of reporters are asking about this stuff and he's admitting to some things and not others. Does he have, I mean, has he said anything new over the last you know, 48 hours that suggests that he's ready to sort of address all of this? Or is his strategy also basically to say, look, I'm duly elected. I'm gonna focus on my job. I don't wanna deal with these controversies. Yeah, it was interesting. He, you know, initially back in December when the lies came out, um, he initially did, a little bit of a press tour, you know. He spoke with the New York Post. He spoke with a couple other small outlets, um, 
and sought to explain himself a little bit. You know, he addressed the background stuff, he addressed the education stuff, didn't get into the campaign finance stuff as much. Um, and then what happened was he had this interview on Fox News with Tulsi Gabbard um, that I think perhaps he expected would be a little bit more friendly than it ended up being. Um, and after that, he's kind of clammed up. Um, aside from the uh, Matt Gates war room appearance, he basically hasn't really spoken that much publicly about all of his troubles. Um, he's obviously, as you alluded to, been chased around a lot in hallways. Um, there's actually a, a full on stakeout at this point in the hallway outside his office. Um, and all he's really said to the press is that, you know, no, I'm not resigning. You know, I was duly elected, I'm not resigning. And so I think obviously this isn't gonna go away. The interest in him isn't isn't gonna go away. I think there will be still some number of reporters outside of his office. Um, you know, I'm not sure if I'll necessarily be joining them. Yeah. have to explain himself. And I think it's just a matter of time. But with other members of Congress who have gotten in trouble, sometimes what causes the dam to break is when the poll numbers come out and say the entire party starts to be brought down in terms of public image because of the protection of one controversial member of Congress. Have you seen any polling or have the Democrats whispered anything to you or even some Republicans about where the polling is on all this and, and how they're looking and even whether they're looking at the polls right now and trying to sort of gauge what the damage might be to the overall Republican brand. I, um, as of now, have not seen any polling, but I think that you're right in the sense that it's it's going to be on some level a calculation of you know how much controversy, how much drama um, is this guy's vote worth. Um, because you know the truth of the matter is that this is a district that um, President Joe Biden won in 2020. I think if a special election were held there due to some early res resignation from Santos, you would likely see um, a Democrat be in a very good position to win that seat. And so you're basically, if you're a Republican leadership, you are balancing the imperative of having as many votes as you can possibly have with you know, just how, how big of a controversy is this gonna be? And I think if it continues to be week after week of what we saw this past week, um, where, you know, the local party's calling him to resign, where he's getting so much media attention that it's sort of distracting from the headlines that House Republicans would like to create with the different bills they're teeing up. I think that might be something that could change their calculus. Yeah, one thing that is certainly going to change is I've heard a lot from Democrats who are now, you know, hitting themselves in the forehead for not doing more, essentially research and opposition research into him, into George Santos during the campaign when some of the stuff might have been readily available, and then the Democrats might have had a better chance of winning the seat as opposed to all this sort of coming out after the election. So Democrats may take their opposition research a little bit more seriously the next time around with every candidate. But in any case, Brian Metzger, he's a politics reporter for Insider. Brian, thanks for doing this. We appreciate it. Thank you very much for having me. Great to be here. Got it. And welcome back to the conversation. I'm David Schuster. There is a fascinating controversy right now over Roku. For a lot of you who are familiar, Roku, of course, is the platform that may provide your internet or your television service, your streams. They are also now allowing a channel on Roku that is essentially based on QAnon beliefs and endorsing some of what QAnon, the right wing conspiracy stuff, has been banting about for the last year or so. Um, the channel is called Burrow. It is called a educational channel on Roku, which is a bit strange. But in any case, here to talk about all this, Alex Kaplan. He's a senior researcher for Media Matters. 
Um, Alex, you've been digging into all this. Uh, what exactly is this Burrow channel and, and what is Roku saying about it? Yeah, so this is a channel that uh, is essentially dedicated to far right or to conspiracy theories uh, and extremism. Uh, many of them, uh, much of the content on the channel associated with the QAnon conspiracy theory. Um, so it includes stuff like uh, stuff claiming that like there's a cabal, uh, you know, a pedophilia, um, direct stuff about Pizzagate, which was kind of uh, QAnon's precursor. It has a section dedicated to QAnon. It's called Q, referring to QAnon's central figure. It also has anti-vaccine stuff. So it's a lot of stuff that's been connected to QAnon and is explicitly QAnon. Roku has been, they've claimed that they've been looking into it, but that was almost two weeks ago. And the channel is still up. So I'm not sure what's happening with Roku's response. And for everybody who's you know sort of baffled by what this QAnon stuff is, as Alex has pointed out, it's a it's a far right belief that there's a global pedophile ring, largely operated, if I understand this correctly, by they allege by Democrats, by high-ranking Democratic officials, that the political establishment, though in both parties, is protecting this pedophile ring, and that there are all sorts of clues to this that have been dropped over the past year called Q drops. Uh, which are essentially coded messages with people take to being uh, reaffirmation that this is happening, that Donald Trump is coming back as president, that all this is gonna be blown wide open at the right time when Q, whoever that is, decides it is time to move. And so there are a lot of these channels and discussions and boards where people talk about the various theories and try to interpret things like the number 17 and why that matters. Um, it's baffling to most of us, but to people who really believe it, it sounds like um, Alex, this is a place where they can continue to promote their theories. Um, and at, again, it would, it's just seems so strange that it's not, it's not educational per se, maybe it's opinion, but the idea that anybody's actually being educated by this is nonsense. Yeah. Uh- the channel, uh, the people behind the channel have basically explicitly said that an aim of the channel is to, you know, quote unquote, red pill people, uh, which is basically referring to uh, indoctrinating people with extremist beliefs and conspiratorial beliefs. Um, the yeah, so that they they've been promoting that. Um, there have been people online on social media actually. Uh, Promoting the channel, encouraging other people to join the channel or to download the channel on Roku. Um, it's some of the social media content has actually gotten millions of views uh, on social media uh, promoting the channel. Um, the channel itself even has, as its like slogans, uh, essentially calls itself the Red Pill Network, and it, uh, has as its logo literally a rabbit going into a hole, which is referring to like rabbit holes. And uh, it also has a slogan, follow the white rabbit, which is uh, another slogan that it, uh, that has been tied to QAnon in the past. One of the other theories that QAnon has linked itself to is this idea that um, that babies are being killed uh, or you know, freshly born babies are being killed and that their blood is being, I guess, then processed into some sort of drug to help the elites uh, live longer. Um, it's pretty wacky stuff, um, but I, I guess, you know, my question is, you know, there's some people who are gonna say, look, this is crazy. We agree it's crazy, but why not err on the side of allowing everything, allow everybody to have a channel, allow everybody to have a platform to exchange whatever crazy stuff they want, as opposed to an entity like Roku or anybody else cutting back on anybody. What's the reaction to that? Well, Roku has their own policies 
literally Roku has policies that prohibit content that can incite violence, place individuals or groups of imminent harm or otherwise unlawful or encouraging illegal activity or contain false, irrelevant or misleading information. These are Roku's own policies, I didn't make them up. Um, additionally, Roku has made, uh, has uh, under its own president in the past, taken down its own, uh, taken down channels. Uh, it has taken down a channel in the past, uh, two years ago. It took down a channel that was entirely dedicated to QAnon, run by QAnon influencers. It took that down after uh, my reporting. It took down uh, another channel. Uh, it's taking down Infowars. It took down a channel dedicated to Infowars. And then this is the Alex Jones channel, which yes. is the channel that promoted the idea that Sandy Hook was a false flag, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, and it took down a ban evasion Infowars channel. Um, Roku has precedent and its own rules. So it's not even me saying this, it's under Roku's own rules that this would seem to flagrantly violate. Now, given that this is so flagrant, is your assessment here that this is something that has just fallen through the cracks and Roku has enough on their plate with all sorts of other distribution issues that they're trying to focus on? Or is this a conscious effort by somebody at Roku who may with a wink and a nod somehow support the right wing QAnon conspiracy movement? I can't really say why Roku is or is not doing what, you know, to what I, I can't really speak to what exactly they're doing with the channel or not doing. What I can say is that the channel has carried, does carry ads. Um, Roku's policy at a certain point seems to give some type of cut uh, monetarily to Roku regarding ads. Um, it's hard for me to say for sure exactly how the split works, but it is theoretically possible that um, Roku could be making money in some fashion or at some point will make money at some point from this channel. Um, it's also worth noting with this channel that, um, and the reason I reported on it is that it's gotten, according to the channel's own internal metrics that it's released on its website, it has gotten at least, and it only launched in early December, by the way. Since then, it has gotten at least 300,000 install installations. That's a pretty significant amount of installations. So uh, it, it was notable to me that you know this channel potentially had ads, uh, making money or, or making money in some aspect for the channel, and maybe uh, Roku itself, and had so many viewers. Is there a way to track who the advertisers are on Roku that are ending up being placed, you know, in the Roku, you know, in the channel, the the Borough channel? Uh, and is it possible for people who are infuriated with this sort of thing to then pressure the advertisers and say, look, I'm not going to buy your product if you're going to continue to promote this nonsense? Well, the channel has made a conscious effort about who's advertising on the channel. It's basically encouraged, let's say, conspiracy theory friendly products to be. Mm. On the site, I remember one of the people behind the channel has talked about on an online stream or online message. It encouraged, it even floated "quote unquote" Alex Jones stuff as the type of thing that they could advertise. So the type of products that are being promoted and ads on the channel are essentially the type of things. They're they're not, let's say, mainstream advertise mainstream products per se. They're more conspiratorial focused. Now, does Roku, I mean, are there a lot of channels where somebody can sign up on a Roku channel and essentially by downloading whatever the app is that, I mean, how many different channels are out there if somebody wanted to say, you know, find something? I mean, is this helpful to Roku to show to show their, their sort of breadth of channels and access that they have? Yeah, I think Roku probably, there probably are a lot of channels out there that um, maybe traffic in more, let's say, conspiratorial misinformation. Phil type of stuff. 
But you know, again, uh, in my experience, Roku tends to be hesitant to take action on a lot of, uh, maybe on a lot of that stuff. But they still seem to have a bar based on their own rules and president in the past. And you know, I, I, it seemed to me pretty clearly that this cleared it, even under Roku's you know history of being very cautious about taking down material. And in Roku's own history with you, I mean, they have reacted to your previous reporting. Uh, are you getting any sense that things that, that that the reaction or how Roku is dealing with this round of reporting that you have is different? Are they saying things differently? Are they not responding as quickly as they have in the past? Well, I've seen other you know outlets reach out to Roku in response to my reporting. Um, I believe CNN reached out and they didn't get a comment. Uh, CNET did get a response. Again, this was two weeks ago. Uh, saying that they were going to, they were looking into it, and I have since then. There's been, as far as I know, nothing public from Roku since about this. Wow. Um, when you look at the stuff that's on their channel, what goes through your mind? It's the type of conspiratorial content you can find, you know, on the uh, less, let's say, mainstream parts of online. Um, it's it's a lot of, you know, it's basically a hub for all the big, you know, major. Conspiracy theory content uh, you can find these days, uh, like anti-vax, QAnon, uh, related stuff about cabals and pedophiles. Um, it's pretty typical stuff on this type, and, and you know, in certain parts of the internet. And it's it's videos, it's blogs, it's essentially it's a platform videos. for all kinds of stuff. Specifically, videos. Videos. So somebody who makes a video who wants to make some wild claim about children's blood being part of some drug that helps people live forever, they can cut this video, send it to this Burrow channel, and there's a chance that Burrow channel will put it on and it'll go right on Roku. I guess it's possible if the people behind the channel find the video, they could they could put it on there. Wow. Any idea who's behind the channel? Are there any big Republican names or conservative names that are funding the channel, sponsoring the channel? Not that I know. I think it's 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 being run by a certain group of just online conspiracy theorists. Wow, wow, um, it is uh, remarkable stuff. So, uh, Alex, uh, how often are you are you tracking this? When's your next update on Burrow and on Roku? I'm trying to keep an idea, you know, uh, track of you know how many downloads this is continuing to get, which I think is continuing to climb. Still keeping an eye, uh, an eye, an eye on if Roku takes any action and uh, on what the channel is doing if it's you know. What, what other steps its leadership may be taking uh, and other actions it may be taking in the future. Remarkable, Alex Kaplan, he's a senior researcher for Media Matters. He's been tracking Roku and this channel that is dedicated to QAnon that is on Roku and downloadable from Roku. Alex, thanks for doing this, we appreciate it. Thank you. You got it, and that'll do it for this edition of The Conversation. On behalf of Asher Cofield, Bart Kyle, Mark Gillespie, John DeSilva, Gina Kim, and the rest of the gang at the Young Turks, I'm David Schuster, thanks for watching. Thank <laughs> you.